Thank you for that good singing. Praise the Lord for it. Praise the Lord for Missions Conference. I look forward to it every year at this time because uh, I know that God is going to uh, speak with our hearts and lead us to be able to do His will. And when we do His will, folks, we can do greater things than we ever thought possible. Take your Bible tonight, please, and open to the book of Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Give you a moment to find that. Tonight I am the, uh, the speaker, the, I'm kicking, I'm doing some kind of, I need a foot guard around here I guess, I'm doing some bunch of kicking here, but I, I'm kicking the missions conference off here tonight, I'm the guest speaker. And um, then tomorrow night, um, it's going to be Brother Marquez, he's the preacher, Friday night, Brother Nelson is the preacher. We've got a lot planned tonight, tomorrow night, Friday night, and on Saturday, the International Food Eating Contest of America and Canada and South America. No, it's the International Buffet. And then on Sunday is the big day. And it's like this every year, and we just see what God has in store. Well, uh, if you have your Bible open at Philippians and chapter number 4, would you stand to your feet, please? And we'll be reading just a, a few verses from verse 10. We'll begin at verse 10 and we'll finish off with verse 19. <clears throat> chapter 4 from verse 10 to verse 19. You all set? Let's read now together. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Wow, what an amazing passage of the Word of God here we're going to look at tonight. And it has to do with um, making decisions. You see, we want to try to answer this question. Uh, is faith promise good for us? Is faith promise missions right for you? And it requires making a decision. Let me ask you, how many here have ever made a horrible decision? A decision so bad you just regretted, you, you, you pained, you shed blood over this one. A few of us, maybe as many as half. Yeah, well, the rest of you, <laughs> take it from us. You haven't lived until you've made a real bad, I mean, you really laid an egg, a real bad decision. I think everyone wants to make good decisions in life. I, I, I'm only guessing that. I don't know too many people that are excited to make bad decisions. Everyone seems to want to make good decisions, decisions that are good and right, and they fit well, and they're long-lasting, and they're beneficial. So when it comes to this matter of supporting worldwide gospel-preaching missionaries, we must make a decision. Do we get involved, or don't we get involved? And if we do get involved, for how much do we get involved? And these are decisions we need to make before the Lord. So let's go to the Lord now and ask him to take us by the hand and lead us another step. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for uh, our gathering tonight, for each one who's come. And I know some have paid a bit of a cost to get here. Bless them. Our Father, we pray that you would please speak with our hearts as only you can and show us Show us how to make a decision here. Show us what we need to know. Lord, lead us according to that which will glorify your name. 
And so be with us now and teach us your will. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please be seated. Now, um, I usually make a lot of decisions every week. We've got a lot of things happening in the church, a lot of programs. We've got upcoming things. We've got a full calendar, 12 months of the year. And we want to be active and busy and serving for our Lord. And it requires decisions. And I end up making a lot of decisions every week. And as I reflected uh, on what's involved in making decisions, and hopefully good decisions, I came up with four things that I, I think you need. If you're going to make a good decision, you need, you need these four things. And number one is a thorough understanding of the purposes and the end goals that you wish to achieve. If you're making a decision, why are you making that decision? What's the end goal, the end purpose? What have you got in mind? What do you want to see happen? Or what do you want to prevent from happening? Something that requires a decision. Now, I'd like to say this, that sometimes... Uh, long-term gain may far outweigh immediate gains. There are certain things you can do that might benefit you quickly, but in the long term, it's not such a good idea. Maybe you've heard this, but how many here would choose, make a decision? You can either have a million dollars or you can have one penny per day that doubles in for one month, only a month. So 30 days in a month. First day, you get one penny. Day number two, you're given two pennies. Day number three, now you're given four pennies. And how many would choose that over a million dollars? Here's a million dollars right now. Or would you rather have a penny? Now, how many have heard this one before? Raise your hand. Oh, I can't fool anyone tonight. So you know that you do the math. And you come out with millions and millions and millions of dollars uh, by doing one penny that doubles. And then every day for 30 days, you do the math and you'll see that uh, that's a better investment. And so this ties in with point one is a thorough understanding of the purposes of the end goals, what it is that you wish to see happen. Number two is you need as many as possible all of the important details. You need as many details as you can possibly get in order to make a good decision. Now, this will include the timetable, the calendar of events, so to speak. It'll include the time that it'll cost you to do this. It'll um, involve the talents involved, the treasures, the manpower, the materials, every detail you can possibly gather you're going to need because you're going to have to take it all in. Um, Number three, you're going to need a good idea uh, of what the expected outcome is. A good idea. Whether you decide one way, what's the outcome going to be? And the downsides, and can you live with those downsides? If you decide the other way, what's the outcome? What are the downsides? Can you live with those downsides? What are the, the upsides and the downsides, the pros and the cons? And you need to get a good idea of what the expected outcome is. Um, and then number four, and please don't ever short sell this one, but you need to spend a good amount of time in prayer and in reading the Bible. Just by reading the Bible, the Holy Spirit can make a verse of Scripture jump out at you. But you need to spend a good amount of time in prayer and reading the Bible in order to get a good sense of God's peace and God's leading and God's will for your life. And I believe that if you will follow those four principles, you'll end up making more good decisions than bad decisions. Now, what is the best way for us to get these questions answered? And that's where our missions conference comes in. Our missions conference is designed to give you the information and, as it were, the answers to these four um, uh, pressing things. Now, our mission conference um, begins tonight, and I'm glad you're here, but it continues tomorrow night. And tomorrow night, the Holy Spirit will show you something that you didn't know tonight. And come on Friday, and the Holy Spirit will show you something on Friday that you didn't get either Wednesday or Thursday. Do you see how it works? That's why it's important that every one of us lay aside any non-essential and decide we're going to be here. 
It's very important. We'll get to that later. But uh, here in chapter 4 of Philippians, I'd like to direct your attention to this passage here. This is a missionary passage. Paul was a missionary, as you know, one of the best. He's writing to one of his supporting churches. And in this passage, he's teaching them things about missions giving. Some important things. And tonight I want to give you out of this passage four reasons why you and I should be fully involved with Faith Promise Missions. Reason number one, involvement with missions produces good works that God will reward. If you're expecting to be in heaven and you know that God will look at your life and look for things that he can reward, this should hold your attention because God will reward your involvement with Faith Promise Missions. Now look at verse 14. Paul writes, he says, Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. The Christians in the church at Philippi heard about Paul's situation and they rallied together and they did something about it to help him out. Listen, not every missionary out on the mission field is a millionaire. Not every single missionary out there has zero problems and no affliction. Not every single missionary has perfect health and perfect children and perfect situations and perfect churches and perfect people. Not every missionary has that. In fact, not even the Apostle Paul had that. And I'm being a little facetious here, but if Paul had trouble, you can be sure that every missionary, for God called gospel preaching, faithful missionary is going to have problems that have to be overcome. And they can be overcome together. And Paul was depending upon the support of this church at Philippi to help him overcome some of his problems and his, his trouble. But he told them in verse 14 that giving to his missionary cause was something that was well done. Look at it again in verse 14. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now, you can keep your finger there, please, in Philippians, and turn to the right, if you would, please. Go past Thessalonians and Timothy. I want you to get to Titus. Titus chapter 3. And I want your help here as we read this verse. Chapter 3 and verse 8. Titus chapter 3 and verse 8. I'd like you to read that out with me now together. Let's begin. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. And also, if you look, please, at verse 14. Let's read verse 14, same chapter. And let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses that they be not unfruitful. And so here, again, we learn that uh, involvement with missions, because that's exactly what Paul is dealing with here, that uh, involvement with missions produces good works, and God will reward good works. He always will. That's what good works are for. Now look at the words. Go back again, please, to Philippians in chapter 4, and look at those words once more with me in verse 14. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now, where have we seen those words before? Keep your finger in Philippians. In fact, put a marker there, would you? Because we'll be back and forth to that a few times now. And I'd like you to go back to the Gospel of Matthew. Would you turn there, please? Matthew in chapter 25. Let's go there together. If you need a Bible, there's a Bible in the pew in front of you. Always bring your Bible. If you forget it, there's the Bible there for you. Matthew 25. You have that, Matthew 25. Now we'll play a little game here together. Back in Philippians, Paul said in verse 14, Notwithstanding ye have well done. I want you to watch for those words. And when you see those words in Matthew 25 and verse 21, when you see them, I want you to read them out together with me. I'll read the verse, and when you see the words, you read them out loud with me. His Lord said unto him, 
Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Now read again, once again, that first phrase. His Lord said unto him, Well done. And so here we see those exact same words. Paul told the Philippian believers, he said, because you gave, that was well done. Here our Lord Jesus, in talking about uh, future rewards and so on, and using a bit of a parable, he uh, talked about the, the Lord that gave uh, talents of money to his servants and went away and came back. And one of them came with, had been given five. He says, Lord, here's your five and five more. And his Lord answered him, well done. Now, if you go back to Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, we need to make mention of this because it ties right in with this whole concept here tonight. Matthew chapter 6, the Sermon on the Mount. Chapter 6, verse 19, follow with me as I read, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. Hey folks, pause. I never said that. Jesus said that. I didn't make this up. Jesus revealed the truth from of heaven. He revealed it to us here in the Sermon on the Mount. And he said to us, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. Just last night, a winning ticket, a single winning ticket was uh, found, chosen, found for that $1.6 billion Powerball in the U.S. One ticket has won that thing. Boy, whoever that is, male or female, they haven't a clue the trouble that's waiting for them. You get a hold of money like that and you are in trouble. That is the, you know, if buying a lotto ticket is bad, there's one thing even worse, and that's winning. And whoever it is that won, they haven't a clue the heartache and the trouble and the attempts on their lives and the scams and the harassment that they're in for as long as they have that money. And so many people have ended their lives in suicide because of that. A lot of good families, good marriages have been broken up all because of the money. Hmm. The Bible says they that will be rich. They pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Huh? How about that? They don't even realize the heartache. So Jesus says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Now read verse 21 out loud with me all together. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so there's a good piece of advice, good counsel from our Lord himself to make sure that our treasure is in the right area, is in the right things. Because if your treasure is just here on earth, if that's where your treasure is, you're in for a sad disappointment one day because you're going to get up one day and find that someone has stolen some of your treasures. And you're going to get up one day and find that some of your treasures have fallen apart because of rust and moth and so on. I had a nice pair of work gloves that was given to me. They weren't particularly expensive, but they were nice work gloves. They were given to me. I had them in my little shed outside. Well, this past Monday, I went out. I hadn't used the gloves for a number of weeks, and I went out and I went in the shed. Lo and behold, a mouse got there before me. Chewed the finger right out of one of the gloves. Well... Now I've got a, a real sacrifice. <laughs> so uh, that's just, you know, if, if the, those gloves were, you know, my heart was in that treasure of those gloves, boy, I'd be upset. I'd be crying big crocodile tears or something. But, uh, well, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away, you know. Maybe I should have put a mousetrap out or something, or maybe I shouldn't have put the gloves there. Point is... If your heart is in the treasures in this world, you're in for some sadness and some heartache. And so many, many millions and millions, I'll say billions of people. It doesn't matter if they have millions of dollars or just a few scraps, a tin can and a few little things. Maybe they live in the, the poorest part of the whole world. But if they're worldly minded, if those are their treasures, that's where their heart is, they're in for disappointment. And it doesn't matter what country or the amount of money. The principle is exactly the same. If we lay up our treasures here on earth, 
we're in for sadness and sorrow. If we lay up our treasures in heaven, the thief can't even get there. He's not allowed into heaven, right? Moth and rust. There's no moths. There's no mosquitoes in heaven. How about that? Amen? Amen. Boy, no black flies, no wasps, no spiders, no snakes. Hey, isn't that wonderful news? Heaven's a wonderful place. And Jesus says, lay up your treasures up there. So we're talking here, the first reason why we'll want to get involved, and we're going to go back now to Philippians. The first reason why we want to get involved is because it produces good works, and God will reward those good works. So that's reason number one. Reason number two is in chapter 4 of Philippians and verse 17. Verse number 17. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 17. Hold on, I lost my place. I got to catch up to you guys. There we go. Paul writes, not because I desire a gift, but I desire... What's the next word? Fruit. Fruit. That may abound to your account. When you and I get involved with Faith Promise Missions, it bears fruit. Now listen to this. It bears fruit and makes us desirable to God. You've been in a grocery store and walked through the fruit department, I'm sure, and you've seen some of those beautiful red apples and golden uh, pears and beautiful green grapes or dark purple grapes. You've seen the different fruit that's, that's there, and you say, boy, that looks good. Honey, why don't we get some of these and some of those, maybe some cherries and plums and things. Boy, those fruit looked really good. If you got into the fruit department and found no fruit, empty bare shelves, you'd say, what? What's going on here? Did, did, did they have a sale? Did, did they not tell me? Why, why is there no fruit here? And so you go into the clerk and you say, Sir, I, you've got aisle after aisle. This is the fruit department, right? Yeah, it is. You've got aisle after aisle. There's nothing on your shelves. Nothing. You've got no fruit here at all. And he looks at you and says, Boy, you're very judgmental. You're a very judgmental person, aren't you? Well, that's just, you know, some fruit departments don't have as much fruit as other fruit departments. And you look around, sir, I understand, but you got zero fruit. There's no fruit. There's even nothing stepped on on the floor. There's not even a mouse could live in this fruit department. You got no fruit. And when you think of it, a fruit tree that bears zero fruit is missing its whole purpose in life. You go to the grocery store and you say, well, I'm going to go to the fruit department. You go in, there's no fruit. Why is there no fruit? Well, they tell you fruit is expensive and you have to keep, you know, fruit goes bad and uh, a few other reasons. And some of us don't like fruit. Well, then why do you have a fruit department? Why don't you just close it up? Why, why cumbereth it the ground, right? Yank the tree out if there's no fruit. A fruit tree that's not bearing fruit, it's missing its whole purpose. You say, but how do we bear fruit? We abide in Him, folks. We abide in Him and we'll begin to bear fruit. By getting involved with faith promise, we abide in Jesus. And it bears fruit. Now, that's very important, I believe. Very important that every Christian bear fruit for the Lord. We have a portion of Proverbs chapter 11 verse 30 for the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life say those words out loud with me and he that winneth souls is wise and they're put together there in the scriptures in 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10 it says for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done whether it be good or bad I can tell you this that as a Christian when you begin to bear fruit for your Lord you become more pleasing in his sight more desirable in his sight he looks upon you and I something like a fruit tree you say how do you know that because in Psalm 1 it teaches us that if uh, if we abide in him put our roots down and drink of the waters it will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season his leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper and that can be you or me or any believer God is wanting for us to bear fruit and we can only bear fruit if we keep our roots down into Jesus Christ the old devil knows that and so he wants to change that he'll try and put your roots down into the things of the world listen we are in the world but we're not supposed to be of the world 
and the world has its lusts and desires and its world, the world has the things that it loves to talk about. You go up to the world and say, hey, let's talk about heaven. Let's talk about sins forgiven. Let's talk about getting treasures out of the word of God. Let's talk about uh, the sweet hour of prayer when we get on our knees and we feel so close to God. And you know what the world wants to do is run away from you because you're not talking its language. You're talking things that it does not like. It doesn't understand. It doesn't have a taste for. But you talk about beer. You talk about lotto tickets. You talk about the football games and things. Now, there's nothing so much wrong with football, except they play too many games on Sunday. But, you know, those other things, the world can keep them. They can have them. That's what the world wants. And when you talk their language and when you drink their, their slop and when you do it their way, then they like you because you're like them, you see? Birds of a feather, right? But when you talk about the things of heaven, the things of God, and uh, uh, what is it that is the will of God, all of a sudden now there's, a, there's not just a line in the sand, there's a great gulf fixed between you and them. And I'll tell you something, until they get saved, they're not coming over to join you. This big gulf that's fixed, you will not go to them. They will not come to you. Isn't that true? Uh, in Luke chapter 16, the rich man lift up his eyes in hell. and There was a big gulf there, right? And he looked over and he saw Lazarus. Where? In the bosom of Abraham. They were singing the songs of Zion. They were singing hallelujahs. They were talking about things of, of God and, and victories. And over there in that, that slimy, filthy pit of hell where that once rich man lift now, lift up his eyes. What has he got? Where's his riches? Where are all of the things of the world? He left them all behind. No rewards, no treats, no pleasures, no lasting joy, nothing for him. And it's been over 2,000 years that he's been in that slimy pit. And Lazarus, where is he now? He's walking the streets of gold for 2,000 years now. And he didn't have a lot on earth, did he? And he had some suffering too, didn't he? Some sores and so on. And, and the dogs would come and lick his sores. And those were not friendly little fifi and foo-foos. Those things were street animals, nasty little things that came around. And I don't know how he dealt with them. But that poor guy, he loved the Lord. I think that Lazarus must have been a prayer warrior because because you know something? Oftentimes, God will take his, his saints, his beloved, and put them to one side. He maketh me to lie down. Isn't that right? And during those times, we're to use those times for fellowship with God and prayer. And you'll have some of your sweetest times of God with God. And your greatest times of prayer is when you're sick, is when you're laid to one side, when you can't run out there and do the 50-yard dash like you used to. Now you kind of have to hobble along to try and keep up with the slow crowd. And things have changed for you. Well, why is God doing this? He's doing this to spend more time with you. And I kind of think that that was Lazarus's lot. God loved Lazarus and wanted to spend more time with him. No one wanted to be around him, I'm sure, but God did. He got in there just like Jesus when he was on earth. He'd be around a bunch of lepers and reach forth his hand. No one wanted to be around lepers. Jesus did. You get the idea? Boy, the devil is smart. He makes us think that the only life worth living is the life of, of a millionaire, is, uh, is the life of the famous, the life of the rich, the life of the healthy, the life of the, uh, well now the, the, in Canada anyhow, the, the, the marijuana parties. Huh? Boy, oh boy, it's been a whole week now, hasn't it? Hey, the, wor the eyes of the world are upon us. Over in Korea, uh, South Korea, they said any of our people who go to Canada and smoke pot, we're arresting them. When they get off the plane back in Korea, we're arresting them. That's what they said. You know, the eyes of the world are upon poor old Canada. You know, I'm often ashamed of some of the decisions our leaders have made. And I think that we've got a bit of a black eye in the eyes of the world anyhow, but that's for another message. Tonight we're talking here about involvement with faith promise and the reasons we want to be involved with faith promises. Number one, it produces works that God will reward. And number two, it makes, it makes us fruitful. And because we're fruitful, now we're very desirable to God. You know, in 3 John 1.8, it says, We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. 
You and I need to be fellow helpers to the truth. Missionaries take the truth around the world and you and I need to be fellow helpers together with them. The third reason tonight is involvement with missions pleases God well. I know it. In chapter 4, please look at verse 18. Paul said, But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus, whom we kind of think was the pastor of the church at Philippi. The pastor went on a missions trip to go catch up with a missionary. And he brought with him the sacrificial uh, love offerings from his people. So Paul writes, I've received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor. Oh, listen, if you have your Bible tonight, take a pen or pencil and underline these next words. You ought to make these words jump off the very page, right into your eyeballs, right down your throat, into your heart. Verse 18, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable. Now look at the next words well-pleasing to God. That's the missionary giving. It's well-pleasing to God. You and I ought to get involved with faith promise, with with supporting missions. Why? Because it's well-pleasing to God. God is very happy with it. So in verse 18, Paul is telling us that a missions-minded, missions-active church pleases God, pleases God well, and brings Him honor and glory. And this also shows us that when a church supports a God-called, God-sent, fundamental missionary, they're supporting a special representative of God on earth. And you can jot down 2 Corinthians 5.20. It says this, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. And if there are ever ambassadors, it's our missionaries. There are ambassadors being sent forth with a job to do, with a message to tell. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God, which is the primary message and ministry of a Bible-believing, gospel-preaching missionary. Be reconciled to God. Missions today, as you well know, is a changed, it's a changed word in many churches where they figure we'll send our young people off for 10 days somewhere around the world. They'll have a great old time, take some pictures, uh, and they'll help plant corn and, and build an outhouse. And then they'll, they'll come back and show us their pictures and we'll all say, hooray, that's missions. No way. That's not Missions. That's not a missions. That's a carnival cruise. That's not missions. Tell that to the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul, right? In Antioch, him and Barnabas, remember that? And the Holy Spirit said, separate unto me. Barnabas and Saul, they called him Saul in those days, for the work whereunto I've called them. So, well, Lord, what have you called them to? Well, I've called them to go and plant corn and to build outhouses and to paint Sunday school rooms. That's what I've called them to do and to go around and eat in all the restaurants and then come back and tell you all about it. That's not missions work at all. They were sent out to get the lost saved, get them organized into local churches so that those local churches could support missionaries and and send the gospel out. And it's self-perpetuating. That's the whole idea. Involvement with missions pleases God well. The support of such a missionary is therefore a gift to God himself. When you and I support missions, it's as if we've given the money to God himself. And that pleases God. Now, folks, remember that this is all done in and through a local church. This is local church context. Very important. We know that. I want you to observe a special connection between faith promise and pleasing God. So keep your marker there in Philippians and turn back to Ephesians chapter 3. Let's look at this, please, quickly. Ephesians chapter 3. And we're going to look at verse 21. Ephesians 3 and 21. It says, unto him... Now the hymn refers to God. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus. Unto him it refers to God. It's like saying to God be the glory. Unto God be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all the ages, world without end. Amen. And uh, also, if you uh, look, please, at uh, verse 19, the very same chapter, uh, the last portion, it says that it might, might be filled with all the fullness of God. Look at verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask. It's again reference to God. 
uh, all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us unto him. There's God be glory in the church by Christ Jesus. Now let's go back to Philippians chapter 4. And here in verse 20, Philippians 4 and 20, Paul writes, Now unto God and the Father be glory forever and ever. Now that's important, very important. In verse 18, Paul said, I have all, I abound, I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. Here it is, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. This is how we know that missions giving pleases God well. This is how we know, because Paul explained it to us. Now, if you look back once again, please, to Ephesians chapter 5, you'll see something that I think is, is quite amazing. Now, we've just determined something, and we're about to see something else. We've just determined that giving to gospel-preaching missionaries, we call it faith-promise giving. That's how we support the missionaries. That that is something that's well-pleasing to God. Have we established that? We can see that pretty clearly. Now, back to Ephesians in chapter 5, verse 1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children... Now, verse 2, I want you to read it out loud together with me. And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. Savor. You see that? Everything that Jesus Christ did on the cross was a sacrifice, a sweet-smelling savor to God. Who would deny that? No Christian in the world would deny that Christ's vicarious atonement, his death for you and I on the cross, paying for what we owe in hell, his ultimate sacrifice was well-pleasing, sweet-smelling savor to God Almighty, to God the Father. No one would deny that. But look at what we've just seen before that, that when you and I give to missions... It's well-pleasing. And if you look at it again in Philippians chapter 4, verse 18, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Now this ought to make you sit back and say, holy cow, that there's a connection between the well-pleasing in Philippians and the well-pleasing in Ephesians. Our support of gospel-preaching missionaries, on the one hand, and Christ's one-time sacrifice of himself on the cross, on the other hand, both are well-pleasing to God. Now, you talk about a coincidence. You'd say, well, of course, what Christ did is well-pleasing to God, an odor, a sweet smell, a sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Absolutely it was. So is your missions giving. Isn't that amazing? You see, this is how we know. If you want to get in on God's good side, give to missions. That's what we learn here. Man, that's exciting. When you and I give to missions, it fills heaven with its strong aroma and fragrance, and it perpetuates the good news, the truth, the knowledge, the power of sins forgiven here on earth, the deliverance from hell, the gift of eternal life with Christ Jesus, and all of that pleases the Father well. Quickly, I want to give you the fourth reason why you and I would want to get involved with faith promise missions. Involvement with missions, and I say this carefully, but it's absolutely the gospel truth. It blesses the church people materially. It blesses the church people materially. Now, we have to be careful how we say this because these days we've got crazies like, like Benny Hinn and Peter Popoff and crazies like this that are just in it for the money and they're multi-multi-millionaires, them and a whole host of others, fleecing people, deceiving people with a false gospel and a prosperity kind of gospel that's anything but biblical. But people are swallowing it hook, line, and stinker. The truth is, God blesses the churches that get involved. Now, the people in the church, but God blesses them materially. He does this. Verse 19 is the promise. 
Philippians 4.19, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That promise was not given to backslidden Christians. That promise was not given to tightwad Christians who says, I'll never give to missions. I'll never tithe. Why, God owns it all. He doesn't need my help. I'm going to spend my dime on myself. I'll spend my, my, my paycheck wherever I f- see fit. But I'm not going to give to missions. I'm not going to get involved. That promise doesn't apply to that Christian. This is a promise from God to his children who are involved. This is the context. The context of that promise. His children were involved in faith promise giving. They were giving to the missionary. They were supporting the missionary. That's the context here. And this verse tells us that giving to missions releases material and financial and spiritual blessings from God upon the church and upon the members that are involved now in this life. This is not something for the future life. This is for the this life right here and right now. We don't have the time to look at it. But Malachi chapter 3, verses 8, 9, and 10 that talk about tithing. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. You remember the verse? You know what I'm talking about? That there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you cannot receive it. These truths are connected. You cannot separate them. There's an Old Testament truth and a New Testament truth here, and they work hand in glove. Now, in Philippians chapter 419, we see the promise. We see the supply house with God as the owner. Listen to me. God's net worth and his inventory. Listen carefully. It doesn't say it's out of, out of It says, according to, look at it again, verse 19, but my God shall supply all your need according to, not out of, according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You say, well, it's the same thing, isn't it? No, it's not. It's not the same thing. These are two different things. It's very important that we see this distinction, this difference the Holy Spirit put in this promise for us. You get a hold of this and you realize that that is an amazing promise. Because God's promise here, it's not out of. Because if it was out of his riches, as soon as he gives some, he's that much less. For you and I, it's kind of out of. You take out your wallet or your purse, your change pocket or something and you take some money out of your riches if you started with $50 and you you take $10 out now all you have left is 40 that's out of but it doesn't say that it says according to you got to know something about God's storehouse and God's riches they're eternal Amen. there's no end to it God can go in there with open arms and open hands and a wheelbarrow and he can just fill it right up and dump it down on you. He's not down one penny. It's according to, not out of. The Heavenly Father's storehouse is infinite, folks. Wow. Man, that's exciting. You imagine some little fish out here in the Pacific Ocean and it gets afraid, oh, uh, I, I, I might drink too much water, you know, and drain the ocean. What a silly fish. Drink all you want. You'll never d- drain that Pacific Ocean. Some days maybe we wish you would, but you can't do it. It's impossible. It's impossible. And you can't drain God's storehouse. Because when God makes a promise, he knows what he's talking about. And he will meet and exceed. But he will at least meet your every single need. You cannot go wrong. The old devil says, you can't afford to give. You can't afford to give, sweetheart, because you don't have that much. And if you give, it's out of, and you got that much less. And God is promising you this. You do the giving, I'll do the supplying. You'll be amazed. You say, well, how do we know that for sure? How many here have been giving to Faith Promise for at least a year or two? Raise your hand. All right, there's your proof right there. You can go ask any one of these people. Did you go bankrupt last week? Did you go bankrupt last year? How long have you been giving? Oh, I've been giving for this many years. And did you ever go bankrupt? Did you starve and die because there was nothing left? No, absolutely not. 
You cannot outgive God because God is no man's debtor and God is your heavenly father. Isn't that right? And he's going to look after you. But when you do things God's way, it pleases God well. Now, I'm giving you four reasons so you can make a decision whether you should get involved with faith promise or not. And this one here is very exciting. God's storehouse is inexhaustible. It's infinite. It's unlimited. It's never ending. It's boundless. It's bottomless. In Psalm 50, verse 10, God writes, he says, For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know the fowls of the mountain and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine and the fullness thereof. Everything in this world. You think that Bill Gates has got a lot of money. He's got nothing on God. Nothing. Historians who do the math claim that some of the richest people who ever lived, lived thousands of years ago. Solomon, they say, in today's wealth would be equal to something like 400 billion or a couple of trillion dollars or something like that. Far eclipsing even that guy who owns Amazon, who's reportedly now the richest man in the world. How about that? Huh? My father in heaven owns it all. Amen. All these men on earth, they just get loaned, they borrow a little bit. That's it. But my father has all of the wealth. And he, it's like the Pacific Ocean to the little fish. He can meet every one of your needs. That's right. Because it's inexhaustible, his wealth. That's the promise there for you. Now listen, the location of God's storehouse is in heaven. And the overseer or the distributor is Jesus Christ. If you'll remember back reading in Egypt, Pharaoh was the owner of the storehouse, but Joseph was the overseer. Yeah. And when Joseph's brother came with their empty sacks, Joseph made sure that they went home full. And God's storehouse in heaven is inexhaustible. It's infinite. It's unlimited. It's never-ending. It's bottomless. It's boundless. God is not afraid to give. Wouldn't you be rather liberal in your giving if you had some kind of box that every time you opened it, it was just full of money? And you took out a big handful and gave to this need. And you went back and that box is just as full. And so you took another handful and you gave to this need and to that need and that need. And you did it a hundred times, a thousand times. And every time you went back to the box, it was still just as full as could be. Wow. You know, that's the kind of God we serve. Amen. Boy, this is a good reason. What a great promise of blessing from God to his tithing, missions giving, missions minded, act of local churches and the members that are involved. You don't want to miss out on God's flow of blessing in your life. Whew. That's what faith promise is all about. That's why we put up on the walls, faith promise missions brings God's blessing. Get involved today. Therefore, every year, our church needs to be reminded of these basic guidelines so as we can carry out our Faith Promise Missions Conference to the glory of God. Doing this helps keep a church spiritually alive and passionately involved in missions. It keeps God's blessings flowing through His church and its members. It keeps the faucet of God's material, financial, and spiritual blessings open year-round. Now, throughout this missions conference, we need to learn all we can that the Holy Spirit wants to teach us. And to begin the Faith Promise Missions Conference right, it's essential that we acknowledge Christ's lordship in our lives. If he's your savior, he's also your lord. And if he's your lord, he has certain rights in your life. Remember, he's the one at some point is going to end your life and take you out of this world and take you home to heaven. He's the one who will decide. But as your lord, he has certain rights and we need to surrender to his lordship and you know i've been a, a christian now 43 and a half years i've been in the ministry now over uh, 37 of those years and here's something that i've found over and over again in many christians lives is they're not submitting to the lordship of christ they've got some kind of dual thing here well lord i want to acknowledge you but you know i want to live my life Lord, you tell me what you want so I can decide if I'm going to do it. That's not lordship. 
Now, maybe supposing if you, you know, Uncle Harry were to die and leave you with $2 million, all of a sudden you thought you could hire yourself a maid. Ladies, how about that? You could hire a maid, do a little cleaning around the house. And so the maid comes in, you hire the maid, and the maid comes in, and you say to the maid, would you, uh, would you do something for me, please? And the maid says, uh, yes, what would you like? Uh, well, I'd like you to vacuum the living room rug here. And the maid says, well, I'll think about it. Now, how would you feel about that, ladies? Would you be happy with that? Would you say, well, that's understandable. They have a mind of their own. You can't force people, you know. And so the carpet never gets vacuumed. You have to do it yourself. And you say to the maid, okay, don't worry about the carpet. I'll look after that. But the, the bedrooms, they need to be made up. Would you do that, please? And the maid says, well, I, I've done that sort of work before, but it's hard on my nails. And so I don't think I'm going to do that. Now, this is the maid you are paying, who works for you. You write the paycheck. Well, what's wrong with this picture? The maid is not submitting to your lordship in a manner of speaking. If you're here tonight and you're born again and you proudly claim to be a child of God, a son or daughter of Almighty God, Jesus is your Lord. And this is one problem that I've noticed over many years is that so many Christians do not submit on a regular basis to the Lordship of Jesus. Say, what does that mean? It means this, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Command, I will do. Lord, what do you want with my life? Lord, how can I help you? How can I please you? If you were here Sunday morning, I spoke on the subject. If God had a million dollars, what would he do with it? How many are here for that? Raise your hand. Okay, well, a few weren't, I guess. A few, few hands didn't go up, so I guess you weren't here. Deviant, is it up on the website? Yes? Okay, he says he's working on it. <laughs> Good. So will it be up tonight? He's working on it, yes. So maybe tomorrow it'll be up. You'll be able to watch that. But the idea is this, God has all the wealth. But there is something that God would like that he doesn't quite have. Say, so what's that? He wants everyone in the world to have an opportunity to be saved. That's only going to happen as we send forth missionaries. That's the only way it's going to happen. Lord, now that I know what you want, what can I do to help make that happen? If you want to give something to God that he wants, help fulfill his wish, his desire, his dream, that all the people of the world have an opportunity to be saved. Do that through missionaries. That's what mission support is all about. You get on this bandwagon, I'm telling you, you're going to bring a smile to God's face and God's going to look after you. You won't have to worry financially. He's going to look after you. That's his promise to you right there. But we need to submit to his lordship. So I want to encourage you to do that tonight. I want you to acknowledge this in your life at the very beginning of our missions conference because I believe it will open the door for you. To, for, for you to know God's will. If you want to know what you should be doing in the missions conference, begin by submitting to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You can do that in prayer. You can do that in prayer tonight. You can do that in prayer tonight, right where you're seated. You can do that in prayer tonight at the altar tonight. It's your decision. But this is so important, folks. It's essential that we do our best to find out God's will. So let's bow our heads now and let's close our eyes.